The following audio is from Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Looking forward to this service. I've been looking forward to this service for a while. I love the communion service. And sometimes when you're preparing for a communion service, it seems like you really have to think about what, what to talk about, and obviously we're always talking about the cross and about what Christ has done for us, but how to bring that about. But uh, God had laid this, this text on my heart for quite a while, and so I've been excited about the opportunity to, to get into it. We're going to be in John chapter 6 in just a moment. The communion service is one of two ordinances that Jesus gave to the church. An ordinance is simply a physical action that symbolizes a spiritual truth. And Christ has given us two of these things. The first is baptism. And so we see in baptism this physical action that has a spiritual symbolism to it, that it's pointing more just to then somebody going into a tank and getting wet, right? So we look at baptism and we see the person going down into the water and coming up out of the water. And we see this beautiful symbol of us being baptized into Christ, being washed by His blood, and then being raised again to walk in newness of life, right? To live in obedience to our Savior. And so for this reason, baptism is a physical action that symbolizes a spiritual truth, the truth of the gospel. Baptism does not produce salvation. Baptism is a picture of salvation, or baptism points to how we're saved. Communion also was ordained by Jesus to do the same thing. And I know there's a great deal of debate among Catholics and Protestants on this point, Um, But Jesus said that we ought to do this, do communion service, in remembrance of him. He said that that the bread is his body. He said that the wine is his blood. And then on that that, that final um, last supper, he used his body and the blood flowing through his veins to pass out the elements to his disciples as he said these things. And so either... His body and his blood became the elements and were the elements as well as his own physical body that was standing right in front of him, or he was saying this symbolically. He was trying to to impart to them a spiritual truth, and I think it is a powerful spiritual truth. He also said, I am the door. But we don't picture him as a wooden door, right? We understand that what he was talking about, there's a spiritual symbolism to it. And so here he gives us this incredible symbol, this reminder of what, what our Christian life is all about. But Pastor said this morning, we often need to refocus. There are so many things in our lives that distract us from what's most important. And then Christ knew that, and so he gave us this service so we'd be constantly pointed back to Calvary, constantly pointed back to the suffering that he endured on our behalf, and for the reason that we now sit here today as children of God with eternal life. So the importance of this service is directly linked to the importance of the act it symbolizes. In other words, if Jesus' death is significant, then remembering it as he commanded us to do is also significant. And this is the reason I don't understand how some Christians don't think highly of communion. How is it possible you come to a service that symbolizes the greatest act of all time? The time the Creator died for creation to give us our only hope. And we come to it lightly. We ought not do that. It is a somber time of remembrance. It should be a difficult time of self-examination. This is a time we really should think about 
who we are and what we're doing and what we're living for and whether there's something in our life that's really detracting from the gospel. It's also a joyful time because it's a time we focus on the fact that Jesus died, but he's risen again and he's coming again. And that is the blessed hope of the believer. And so today I want to look at John chapter 6 so we can understand just how essential the death of Christ is for us. As you turn there, I'll tell you a little bit of background. At the beginning of John chapter 6, Jesus is ministering in Galilee by the seashore. He is performing incredible miracles. He's raising the dead. He's healing the sick. He's doing just unbelievable things. And because he's been doing these things, he's gathered quite a crowd. And now he sees that they're hungry. And so he takes the little boy's lunch, right? Five barley loaves, two fish. And he takes this this meal that would be a snack for any man. And he feeds 5,000 men not including women and children. Unbelievable miracle that he does this. And the response of the people is that they want to take Jesus by force and make him their king. So, I mean, that sounds kind of good, doesn't it? Except that Jesus knows that they're not making him their king for the right reasons. And so he leaves to go to the mountain alone. That night, his disciples leave. They go across the sea. Jesus walks on the water across And the next morning, everyone is very perplexed. Um, Jesus is gone, but they saw that the disciples left without him. So where did Jesus go? I mean, how did he get over the other side if that's where he's been? And so they look for him for a while. And finally, they find him on the other side of the sea. And so when they finally find him, they ask a very natural question. Jesus, how did you get here without a boat? Jesus answers, the truth is, you don't seek me for me. You just want more food. That's paraphrase what Jesus said, but basically that's what he says. Now, um, if you're a child here today and your, your parents ask you a question, um, you should answer the question. Right? I mean, you should, you should say something that it's at least somewhat related to the question that was asked. Jesus here doesn't do that, though, does he? I mean, it, it's a pretty clear question. Jesus, how did you get across the sea? And he says, you're not, I mean, you're not seeking me because you want me. You're seeking me because you hope that I'll feed you again. And so he's drawing attention to what they really want from him. They want physical bread, but he offers them so much more. And at this point, they don't want it. All they want is another meal. Verse 26, he says, You seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. It's not because you saw the sign that I am the Messiah, but because I filled your bellies. And so in verse 27, he says, don't work or toil for food that has an expiration date. Work for the meat that results in eternal life and comes from the Son who is sent by the Father. So so don't be so concerned about filling your bellies. Don't work so hard for the stuff that you can hold on to. Because all of those things, they have an expiration date. All of those things are going to rot, going to deteriorate. They're going to come to ruin. And so if you're going to work hard for something, if you're going to care about something, if you're going to put your effort into something in this life, then let it be for those things that are eternal, for eternal life that comes from the Son who is sent by God. And so they ask a question, what is the work of God? Okay, so you want us to do the, the right kind of work, what is that work? And he says, well, it's actually, it's actually not you doing a whole lot. Right? There's not a lot of work involved. It is believe on the one that God sent for you. And they say, well, if you want us to do this kind of work, 
you want us to believe on the Son, you're going to have to show us a sign. Now, let's, let's back up a second and remember why there's 5,000 men plus women and children that are following him to the other side of the lake. Why, why did that happen? It wasn't just because they went to a Sunday school lesson and thought, man, he's really fun to listen to. It'd be great if that was the reason, but that's not the reason. The reason they're following him is because he's been doing miracles, he's been healing the sick, and now he's fed 5,000 people from a little lunch. So they're following him, they're there, because he's doing amazing signs and wonders. And when he says, this is what you need to focus on, guys, stop worrying so much about bread and start worrying about eternal life, they say, you want us to believe on you? Show us a sign. Really? Like, how can we be so foolish? How can they be so foolish? I feel like there's some verse in the Bible that should go in like the Hall of Fame of like dumbest things that were ever said. This is up there, right? Show us a sign. Okay. In verse 31, they say, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Isn't this funny? They're already like kind of pointing like, well, I mean, back in the day, we got bread from heaven. <laughs> Yesterday, Jesus fed you. But like, okay. So Jesus' response in verse 32, Moses did, didn't give you the bread to eat, my father did, and my father will also give you the true bread from heaven. You see how he keeps directing their attention from what's going on in their bellies right now to eternal life. Like, this is what's important. Let's, let's start moving this direction. In verse 33, he says, For the bread of God is he which comes down from heaven and gives life unto the world. The bread of God is is the one who comes to give life, not just food. When Tara and I were engaged, she worked for eight months or so at Subway. And this was a great deal for me because um, every day she was allowed to make a full sub, and she would only make half a sub for her lunch. And so most evenings, I got to enjoy a half a sub. I love Subway. I love Subway sandwiches. I mean, I I never got tired of them. They're, They're fantastic. Um, Andy, actually, Andy Brown, has convinced me that Quiznos is a pretty good place to eat, too. So, I'm, I'm all about sandwiches. But, here's the truth. Life is better than a sandwich. And this is coming from a sandwich lover. Eternal life is better than a sandwich. And we all agree on that. I think so. And so they say, then said they unto them, Lord, evermore give us this bread. All right, good call. You want the bread. You finally get that you want this other bread. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. (laughs) So he says, I told you already. Believe on me, and you'll have everlasting life. You'll have the bread of heaven. They say, okay, okay, Lord, fine. Give us the bread. I am the bread. Like, I don't know how else to say this. And so he says in verse 40, This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life. What he wants for these people is that they will see Jesus not just as someone who gives them a lunch, but they will see Jesus for who he really is. Can I tell you something? There are a lot of people in our world today that they see Jesus. They see, they see some, some part of Jesus but what they want from him is they want a better life now. 
What they want from him is, is, is riches. They want health. They want wealth. They want these other things that they think that Jesus is going to give. And so they attach Jesus to their life as though this is just going to bring up the quality of their life just a little bit. They want a lunch. They want a sandwich. And Jesus is saying, that's not the will of him that sent me. I want you to see me for who I am, who I really am, what I really came for. And I want you to believe on me. In fact, the Father wants you to believe on me so that you may have everlasting life. And when he says this, the Jews become very upset. And I think they're upset for two reasons. First, because they recognize that Jesus is claiming deity. He is claiming to be God. I come from God. I'm sent by God. Believe in me and you'll have eternal life. They see that. And there's some people that read the Bible and they, they, they say, I don't see where Jesus says God. Jesus said it all over the place and people reacted to him this way all the time. So they're mad at Jesus because he's claiming to be one with God. I think they're also mad because they want physical bread. Because at the end of the day, this is really what they care the most about. At the end of the day, they've come across the ocean, across the ocean, <laughs> see, um, not because they're, they're hoping that Jesus is going to give them some eternal life. From, that they'll, They just want to see the miracles again, right? They just want him to, to do something awesome for them today. And so they're mad. And what they do is they make up all the excuses they can conjure up why they should not believe in Jesus. This is the same response of people today. If you won't make my life better now, if you're not going to fix my problem now, then I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm going to find all the reasons why I should not believe in you. They say, well, we know his mom and dad. But he does miracles. They say he's from Nazareth. Well, technically he's from Beth- Bethlehem. But he can feed 5,000 people at once. They might say that he's just a carpenter. He's a carpenter who walks on water and raises people from the dead. He has shown himself to be much more than that. And so they're coming up with these foolish excuses why they don't need Jesus. And what we do is we decide we don't want him, and then we rationalize our decision. And that's just foolish. Jesus won't play their game. He keeps coming back to the same truth. John chapter 6, verse 47, he says, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, He that believes on me has everlasting life, and I am that bread of life. Verse 49, he says, Your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and are dead. So I could give you manna, but you would die just like them. What I'm offering you is something so much better. Right? Jesus is so smart. He's exposing their need. And sometimes the things that we think we need, they're not our greatest need. And Jesus is trying to show them, listen, your greatest need is this, is this bread that gives you eternal life. Verse 50, I am offering you bread that brings eternal life. Verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. He's starting to show them what's going to happen here. He is going to be giving his body, his flesh, his life, so that they can have life. The way that they get the eternal life that he's promising is not just believing that he exists, but believing that he will die in their place. That he will give his life for them. Verse 53, he says, if you don't have life, if you don't have me, 
you don't have life. So this is not just one way. This is not just one of the many options to eternal life. This is the only way. It says in verse 56, If you take of my spiritual bread, my flesh, my blood, I will dwell in you and you in me. And there's some confusing verses here. And you can tell that as the Jews went through, um, a lot of them were perplexed. They were confused by what he was saying. Um, And so when we go through these verses, we really have to try and understand what Jesus is trying to teach. It's amazing to me that sometimes Jesus veiled his teachings in a way to make us think hard about them. When he says that, that you have to eat his body and drink his blood, are we thinking that Jesus is like, encouraging cannibalism? I mean, I hope not. I hope we see that through all of this, he's comparing spiritual need or physical need and physical bread to this spiritual bread that they need. That really what they need is him. Verse 57, he says, As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, So he that eats me, even he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, but he that eats of this bread shall live forever. And so he's presenting them two options. You can have bread and then die. Or you can have the bread of eternal life. You can have the Son of God and live forevermore. What's amazing to me is that after this passage, most of the people following him leave him. Vast majority of people leave. Now, it's interesting because some of them debate. Some of them are, are arguing among themselves. So some of them seem to actually like they might believe and they're trying to work this out. But, but most of them, they go away. We've got to make a decision here, right? We have to decide what we're going to do with Christ as well. Um, There are two questions that I think arise from the text, and I want to ask them to you this morning. The first is this. um, And this first first question is directed toward them. When we're thinking back on the story, why do they want physical bread so much? Why do you think that physical bread was so important to them? I think the answer is maybe obvious. They're hungry. They like eating. And that's true. They know what it means to be hungry, and they know what it means to have that need satisfied in them, at least for a time. But I think it's also true because they do not understand how much more they need something else. If I was up here and I had a $50 bill, and and then I had a 10-pound bag of jadeite, and I said, hey, listen, uh, who's who's it good? Um, Callie, would you rather have a $50 bill or a 10-pound bag of jadeite? What would you prefer? $50 bill, right? I think probably most people in this auditorium would be like, sure, give me the bill. I have no idea what jadeite is. Right? $50 would be better. What I offered you was a choice between a $50 bill or jadeite, which is the most precious stone on our planet. Every carat of jadeite is worth over $3 million. And so I offered either $50 or $68 trillion. $68 trillion is nearly the total GWP, the gross world product. So all I'm saying is, I mean, sometimes you get these two offers, and because you understand the one, 
and you don't really get the other one, you think, yeah, I'll, I'll take the 50 bucks. Hey, 50 bucks is better than a sandwich, right? Um, and 50 bucks is better than a 10-pound bag of who knows what. But if we would understand how precious that other thing is, we would realize that maybe what we need is actually that. And here they're so stuck thinking about their bellies that they're not seeing that there's such a greater need that they have. Another way to try this. Um, I was on an airplane in June on the way back from Haiti. And while I was in Haiti for four days, I only ate cashews. So I got on the airplane, and I was very, very hungry. I would say starving, but you don't say starving when you come back from Haiti. That's not a good word to use. I, I'm, I'm just, I feel like I really need some food. And when I was on the plane, I ordered a wrap. And I almost never order food on a plane, but I ordered the wrap. And she came back, and she brought me the wrap. She actually brought me two, because maybe she saw that I looked like I was starving. And uh, I enjoyed my wrap. But imagine this is you on the plane, and you are very hungry, and so you order some food, and the stewardess goes back to get you the food. But on her way back to get you the food, there's an announcement that comes on that says that they've run out of fuel, that somebody forgot to fill the fuel tank, and so now the plane is going gonna to go down. And, and then, like, seconds after that, you hear the engine stop, and you, hear, you feel this, like, kind of sh- drift, getting to drift downward. Now, everybody around you is probably going crazy. But let's say you take the time to get the attention of the stewardess. Right? Hey, listen, I, I, need to, I need to ask about something. I'm wondering if you... You've got that wrap ready yet. And um, I think I'd like to switch my chips back to nuts because I prefer nuts. And I don't know what I was thinking when I ordered chips. How insane would that be? On the way, I mean, your need would change when you saw that there's something much greater to need, right? And so the reason that these people were so caught up with feeding their belly is because they didn't understand that they had a much greater need than food for their belly. So the question for you is, do you see your need? Do you recognize what Christ is offering? Do you see that the bread of life is of infinite value? I mean, we're talking about eternal life. And that sandwich is not really a big deal compared to that. So that's the first question. Why did they want bread so badly? The second question is for you. How much do you value the bread of life? We saw that this was the problem with the Israelites here. They valued the bread in their bellies more than the bread of life. They were more concerned with this world than the next. Uh, There's a, a poem in a book called The Brothers Karamazov. This is a book written by Dostoevsky that Greg Dressler made me read. And the poem is called The Grand Inquisitor. It's written um, from the perspective of Ivan, who is an atheist. And Ivan is attempting to point out the absurdity of Christianity. He does so by making this point. He says, If Jesus would have turned the stone into bread, when tempted by the devil, millions of people would have followed him. Because he gave them bread. Think about that for a minute. Jesus was tempted by the devil to turn the stone into bread. If he would have done that, millions of people would follow him. 
because he's providing for them bread anytime they need it. He's providing for them their physical needs. Instead, he gives them freedom. And in giving them freedom to have faith in him or not, he condemned millions to eternal death because they had freedom and he didn't just give them bread. Uh, Now, freedom leads many to reject Christ. And Ivan's point is that a good God would create the world in a way where more people would follow him. Now, there's a lot to get into the poem, so I, so, but, so I don't want to deal with all of that. Um, but I want to think about this point. Um, why, didn't just, why didn't Jesus just give them bread? Why didn't he just let them make him king? Why not do just one more miracle? Why not, whenever we ask him to show us a sign, he comes down and shows us a sign? There's a reason for it. Because he doesn't want us to value those things. Because the problem of mankind is not just a problem of a lack of bread. The problem of mankind is a problem of sin. right? A problem that, that we're all condemned to eternal death. And so when Jesus comes to the earth, he could amass a following this side of heaven of people who would follow him because he's giving them what they think they need today. But what he wants to do is he wants to expose to them that their needs today are, they don't compare with their need of eternal life. That they have a problem that is not just going to be fixed by a little bit of bread. Their problem requires the bread from heaven. Bread of eternal life. The life of, of Christ. And so this is the problem with mankind. It is not that our bellies need food. It is that our souls are dead in our sins. And what he calls us to do is to repent of our sin and put our faith in him alone to save us from eternal punishment that is waiting for each of us. Right? What he wants from us is he wants our faith. He wants, he wants us to repent and turn to him and put our faith in him. So, as we come to the table tonight, what I'm hoping we can do is we can realize that what we're remembering here in Jesus' death and resurrection, in, in the bread and in the wine, is that we had a Savior who came from heaven on a rescue mission for your soul, that he died in your place, and because of what he's done, you have the surety of eternal life. You have problems today. And he knows that. He has compassion about that. But you have eternal life. And if we would realize the value of that, our lives would change so drastically. I mean, the way that we think about the world would change so drastically. That's, that's what matters. So we come here tonight, and I hope we can come here in, in such incredible gratitude for the, the amazing gift that he's given us. His life so that we can live. Right? It's not a sandwich. We might be happy today with a sandwich. It's not what we need. What we need is the bread of heaven. What we need is the life of Christ. And so he's offering us life. So if you're here this morning and you don't know that you have that life, right? you've never repented and put your faith in him, um, he's inviting you to do so. Right? This, is, this is the invitation of the word of God. If you repent and believe on him, he will save your soul. He will give you the bread of heaven. You'll be able to eat of his body and drink of his blood. Not just in, in elements. That's not what this is about. This is just pointing back to the fact that that's what we must do spiritually if we're ever going to live forever. And if you know him, I think this is a good chance for us to 
really think about what we value in this life. We put a really high value on the things that are going to end tomorrow that don't really matter. Or are we valuing what Christ has done for us? I hope that's the case. At this time, I'd ask the men to come forward, hand out the elements.